Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28. You probably knew I was going to go there. Matthew 28. Verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's interesting that his, his end game that he gives us here comes with the words that impart power to us. And I'm not sure if you, you, you saw that. Um, sometimes in France we feel so weak and we don't know which way to turn. And we go back to texts like this and we say, wow, we need to tap into that power. I know Bethel needs that power just like we do. And so uh, I wanted to reassure you that us earthlings, us weaklings, have to go back to that power. I wanted to just read one more text to, to show you that the discipleship word there gets more defined in Luke 24, verses 46 to 49. Luke 24, verses 46 to 49. I'll start in 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that, here it is, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from, from Jerusalem. The there was Jerusalem. That's where it's supposed to start. But look at what he said. The discipleship process starts here. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. And I, I, you know, we hear a lot about God's love and God's grace and all that other stuff, but somewhere along the line you have to drive, we have to drive the French people to repentance and forgiveness of sins. It's a big topic and we cannot avoid it. It's not a popular topic, but we cannot avoid it. And once again, uh, in the text, Look at what it says in verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. We cannot afford to do any of this without power. Amen? You can't step out there without power. And with that, I, I introduce... Um, my sermon, the three issues that hinder us from getting there. The first issue uh, that I wanted to talk about that, that might hinder us from getting there, uh, I've entitled vocal cords. And um, I think that, that Bethel, as they were 43 years ago when we went out, and we had all these missionary couples leaving, like the Singers, the Lewises, the Marshalls, and, and all. There was, there was a concentration going on to prepare all of us to preach and to teach. And 
and preparing to go out there wherever that is that God is sending us and it could be here with you in Wilmington your neighborhood I don't care where it is there's got to be a preparation process and I want you to read with me Romans 1 13 to 16 and I believe it's Chad that's going to be reading this Romans 1 13 to 16 I do not want you to be unaware brothers that I have often intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as the rest of the Gentiles I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek of the gospel it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek do you see the there in all of those passage in all those verses the there and I am so excited Paul says to get to Rome he's got he's got concentration on a place and the other the other point I wanted to make in this passage is to the Jew first home base and also what to the Greek the barbarians <laughs> the Gentiles so you've got Paul saying uh, I'm ready to go uh, I've I've uh, gone through this this process and I think that one of the biggest process that we can help our young people with and help our church people with is getting over the shame of proclaiming the gospel and we've got to get everyone in our churches whether it's France or America unashamed to go out and preach yes start at the home base but then get out Jews and Greeks my people and all people um, there's there's a lot of reasons why um, our French Christians might be hampered and perhaps ashamed to pronounce the gospel we have a lot of things against us you've heard it from me before but there's been a rejection of God across our nation France on on our coins in America and I've told you this before we have written in what God what and on in French we have three words liberté égalité fraternité can you tell me what they are you speak French right liberty liberty what equality and brotherhood voila <laughs> super with the revolution they started knocking down churches the revolution here drew a people together under God <laughs> and the revolution in France drew its people together to do away with God and that's what's caused us to go and that could be a reason for 
for French Christians say, whoa, we're not too popular. One, they say one, and other statistics say 1.3% of the population is evangelical. So coming out of our holes and proclaiming the gospel is not easy. What stops you here in Wilmington from doing that? It's not just my analysis of France, but have you stopped and analyzed why you wouldn't share the gospel? What are we ashamed of? Young person, junior high, high school, university, on the job. There's a, yes, there's a lack of, of voices in France, but we can still do it. There's a lack of scriptures. The latest statistics say 69% of the French population do not have a Bible. Can you imagine? And even if they do, there's no guarantee they've opened it up and read one verse. 69%. There's lack of churches, of course. With only 1% of the population evangelical, up to maybe 1.3, of course there's a lack of churches. And we could cite all these things that might keep us from sharing the gospel. The government, the government regulations about not being able to go out and witness or preach on a corner or pass out tracts. I was 14 years old. The pastor mentioned this in the office as we were praying together. <laughs> when uh, our helicopter fell out of the sky <laughs> and I looked up at my, in the mirror at my banged up face with my jaw broken and I, we had, I'd lived through the helicopter crash but I looked in the mirror after a week. They wouldn't let me look because they thought I'd go into shock. But I looked in the mirror and I looked at my mouth and I said, wherever the there you send me, I will not stop talking about you. And I made that commitment at 14 years old. And so that's the kind of commitment I, I say we need. We cannot afford to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul says in Romans 1 one more time, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And then he says in 15, just before that, so I am eager <laughs> to preach the gospel to you also in Rome. I'm eager. I'm passionate. Number two. Number two, Chad, would you read for me Acts 8? 26 to 37, a little longer. Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the, toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, 
like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophecy say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from getting baptized? Mm-hmm. That's good. Spirit sensitivity. Going there sometimes defies logic. What am I trying to say to you this morning? We have ourselves so organized, our box is so well put together that we have a problem jumping out of the box. Do you agree that? Do you agree with me? But look what happened in verse 26 and 29. You know this story well. You know the Great Commission. You know all these stories that I'm presenting to you. Who urged Philip to go? Verse 26. Who was it? Now an angel of the Lord. Look at verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Now this guy had legs, Philip. Because I don't know how he did that. But it, it's out of the box to overtake a chariot. You know? And who would ever think that he's supposed to go over there to this man, to this road? You see what I mean by there? There takes all kinds of forms. And sometimes it just takes spirit sensitivity. We got to be willing to get out of the box. We got to be willing to get up in the morning and say, there's the plan, but you can divert. You can change it up. You can, you can be that power in my life. You know, as Baptists, we're sort of like saying, ooh, don't get too close to this, you know, spirit movement. And sometimes I think we've, we've put the lid on the spirit. I get up in the morning and I pray many times with Sue, and we, we say, God, this is another adventure. This is how we planned it. But when you want to change it, you can. That's a good thing to do. Spirit sensitivity. Urismo. Fortunately, Philip was sensitive. And here's what he did. He runs, he overtakes, and then they talk about what? The scriptures. The scripture reading was so important, and he took him all the way from the Old Testament to Jesus. And that's what we, that's what we found. He said, he said in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth, his vocal cords got active. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about who? Jesus. He went a long ways with this guy. And I'm telling you, we have to be willing to jump out of the box. I went down to the Seat garage in, in Shuttle. You know what a Seat is? What's the best car in the world? You thought it was a Lincoln, right? Seat, Alhambra, it's just a minivan, Alhambra. <laughs> but the Alhambra went down, and I needed help at the, the Seat garage. So I'm going in there to pay my bill, and 
And the, the secretary there that was going to take my money says, just before you pay your bill, you need to talk to the head mechanic. And I go, oh no, my, the best car in the world needs more help. And already the cost was elevated. So I said, man, I don't know. So the man comes out, and his name is Stefan, and I've known him for years. And he goes like this. You're a pastor, right? And I'm going, this isn't about my Alamba. And he said, I got to get through to you because my daughter, she wants to be baptized and she doesn't want to be baptized as a Catholic. She wants how you do it. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my goodness. This isn't about paying for my Alhambra. This is out of the box. And can we get to, I'll bring my daughter wherever. I said, the coffee house is a neutral place. Let's talk there. He, he drives the Saturday afterwards, 35 minutes one way, comes to the coffee house. And, and I said to the, to the little girl, Julian, you better note this name, Julian, okay? J-U-L-I-A-N-E, okay, Julian. I said, Julian, why do you want to be baptized? Because she said, I want to please God. And I want to show all of my family that I love God. I go, okay. And I looked to Stefan, and I said to the dad, I said, how long has she been like this? You know why? Because in their village... There is no church. There's nothing. Nobody in the family is a Christian. So who's drawing Julian to himself? Because I didn't do it. Who is it, people? Tell me. It's the Spirit. We've got to be sensitive to the Spirit. And he goes, she's been like this since she's 10 years old. She's been looking for this. She, she wants this. And I said, she says, I just want to do what God, I want to grow and I want to do what God says. So I said, well, next time I'm going to go through salvation, make sure that you understand all those. She did. She's going to be baptized, people, the 25th of September. And, and Sue and I sit and talk about this and we go, it's not about us. And you better be praying that the Spirit draws people to himself. That's what I mean by spirit sensitivity. And we need that as Baptists. Okay? Methods and madness. The last scripture, Chad, Acts 14, 19 to 22. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went to Barnabas. He, be, he went with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. There's a lot of 
details about the madness of this, this particular stop that Paul made on his missionary journey. But in that text, you saw at least four, five places that we would say there. And they did a healing. The people started worshiping Paul. The Jews got mad. Paul said, you can't do that. We're just normal men. The Jews came from another city, started persecuting Paul, and then, and then stoned him, left him for dead. And it's, everything is confused. Everything is madness. Methods and madness. He picks himself up, and he says, I need to get to the next spot. I need to go over there. And I just share with you this last passage. I don't want to develop it. Time's gone. But we have to be sensitive where we drive our car. What's the next spot? It seems as though Paul was ever sensitive to the next there. And I just want to pound it into our minds and our hearts today We've got to be, that is missions. That's, um, I went, it, it has to consume us. Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. You see all those places? I said to you that 40, 43 years ago, we walked into Pastor Ryle's office and we asked Pastor Ryle, do you think Bethel can send us over there? And he said, oh yeah, I think so. Nothing should stop us from getting there. God, you know, I looked down at my hands. Let me just be personal. So I've got the skin cancer thing going, the scabs of an old man. You guys have, you older guys have that same problem? Yeah, everybody show me your hands, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm out of here. The Bible says, count your days. I don't have too much longer to get out there. <laughs> but I want to kind of sort of die out there. But I'm getting older, and Sue and I are looking at ourselves and saying, wow, what do we have, 15 years if we don't get sick and die before? Maybe 20? Do you count your years? Do you know how many you have left? Do you count your days like the Scripture tells us to? How many days, hours are left to get out there? We did this. I end with 1 Samuel 17 and David. 1 Samuel 17. There was a lot of stuff that tried to hinder David from knocking off Goliath. Don't you love that story? I, I recently have preached on, on that in, in France, and I, I just want to leave this uh, as a conclusion. I'll get off of here, Pastor, don't worry. Um, 1 Samuel 17. He's got, he's got problems. You know what I like about this passage? You should see um, verses 17 and 18. 1 Samuel 17 and 18. I can read them for you. David was a true Frenchman. 
Yeah, he was French. Did you know that? Now, he's going to stand up here next week and say he's full of baloney, the guy that preached last week. <laughs> but I think David was close to a Frenchman, and here's why. 1 Samuel 17, verse 17 and 18. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for to your brothers an ephod of this parched grain and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. So you got bread, you got the baguette going, you know. Do you see where I'm going at this? Now read the next one. Also take these ten what? There you go. I told you. All he needs is a beret and a bottle of wine. And we're good to go. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just playing with you. But I like David. He goes off into the unknown. The pressure situation. The war. In verse 22. And I'm not going to go through all the details of that. And then the big brother. So, so you've got a pressure situation. You've got a Ukraine going on. You've got something bad happening. It's a pressure point situation. And he's running to it, right? And oh, by the way, it, you should have seen how he leaves off the stuff that he took to his brothers. You know, it's boom and off down the road to listen to the, the soldiers talk about Goliath and all Goliath is saying. And then the brother is the next thing that, that, that could be, discourage someone. It's family friction. What are you doing here, little guy? Who'd you leave all those little sheep with? You are so full of pride. And the brother attacks him. Okay? Another reason why you wouldn't go to war. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't take out Goliath. Family problems. And then you have in verse 33, the king saying, You are only youth. You're just a little guy. You're a young guy. You can't do anything. Are you kidding me? You see all the negatives that David had in his life? And he walks off and he says to Goliath, he says, you have insulted my God. And this is where it ends. And he takes him out. Do you know how many people are insulting your God today? We got the same problem. Are you running at that problem? Are you running there? That's what David did. He said, you are not allowed to insult the God of Israel. Isn't that cool? And I say, and Sue says to the French people who don't, who are God-haters or atheists or agnostics or whatever, you cannot sit there and insult my God. We've got to use all of our efforts, our muscle, our minds to get out there and do that. Let's pray, and I'll call Pastor up. Thank you, God, for these moments together. Um, we love you. We love your word. We want it to motivate us. We don't want to just go to sleep over the word and just pass another Sunday. Lord, help us to, to internalize and use it. Father, I know where I have to be in the next few years, next few months. Sue and I have determined that and we need to be there. But that's the question all of us need to ask. 
And I can't wait to see the result of all of us this morning saying, I'm out there. I'm going. Wherever it is, Lord, if it's Wilmington, if it's our neighborhoods, if it's across the waters, Lord, be with Bethel. Strengthen us as a group, as a family. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please stand and sing with us.